Welcome to the Truth for Today from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. Today we're looking at Judges 20 and we're looking at the battle that's going on around us and how do we engage in it and really, how do we win? And so we pray that God would bless you as you study Judges 20 along with me. So we have a long text today. We're going to be looking at Judges 20, the whole chapter. And we're going to try to apply this to our modern era uh, into our lives. And so, uh, with that, I read in Jesus' name, Judges 20. Then all the people of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba, including the land of Gilead, and the congregation assembled as one man to the Lord at Mizpah. And the chiefs of all the people and all the tribes of Israel presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 men on foot that drew the sword. Now the people of Benjamin heard that the people of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. And the people of Israel said, Tell us, how did this evil happen? And the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, I came to Gibeah that belongs to Benjamin, I and my concubine to spend the night. And the leaders of Gibeah arose against me and surrounded the house against me by night. They meant to kill me, and they violated my concubine, and she is dead. So I took hold of my concubine and cut her in pieces and sent her throughout all the hill country of the inheritance of Israel, for they have committed abomination and outrage in Israel. Behold, your people of Israel. Behold, you people of Israel, all of you, give your advice and counsel here. And all the people arose as one man, saying, None of us will go to his tent, and none of us will return to his house. But now this is what we will do to Gibeah. We will go up against it by a lot, and we will take ten men of a hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, and a hundred of a thousand, and a thousand of ten thousand, to bring provisions for the people. That they may come, uh, that when they come, they may repay Gibeah of Benjamin for all the outrage that they have committed in Israel. So all the men of Israel gathered against the city, united as one man. And the tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What evil is this that has taken place among you? Now therefore give up the men, the worthless fellows in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and purge evil from Israel. But the Benjaminites would not listen to the voice of their brothers and the people of the people of Israel. Then the people of Benjamin came together out of the cities of Gibeah to go out to battle against the people of Israel. And the people of Benjamin mustered out of their cities on that day 26,000 men who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, who mustered 700 chosen men. Among all these were 700 chosen men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. And the men of Israel, apart from Benjamin, mustered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All these were men of war. And the people of Israel arose and went up to Bethel and inquired of God, Who shall go up first for us to fight against the people of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. Then the people of Israel rose in the morning and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to fight against Gibeah. And the men of Israel drew up the battle line against them at Gibeah. And the people of Benjamin came out of Gibeah and destroyed on that day 22,000 men of the Israelites. But the people, the men of Israel, took courage and again formed the battle line on the same place where they had formed it on the first day. And the people of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until the evening. And they inquired of the Lord, Shall we again draw near to fight against our brothers, the people of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against them. And the people of Israel came near against the people of Benjamin the second day. And Benjamin went against them 
out of Gibeah the second day and destroyed 18,000 men of the people of Israel. All these were men who drew the sword. Then all the people of Israel, the whole army, went up and came to Bethel and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, ministered before it in those days, saying, Shall we go out once more to battle against our brothers, the people of Benjamin, or shall we cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I give them into your hand. So Israel sent men in ambush around Gibeah, and the people of Israel went up against the people of Benjamin on the third day and set themselves in array against the Gibeah in array against Gibeah as at other times. And the people of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. And as the other times, they began to strike and kill some of the people in the highways, one of which goes up to Bethel and the other to Gibeah. And in the hill country, about 30 men of Israel. And in the open country, about 30 men of Israel. And the people of Benjamin said, They are routed before us as at the first. But the people of Israel said, Let us flee and draw them away from the city to the highways. And all the men of Israel rose up out of their place and set themselves in array at Baal Tamar. And the men of Israel, who were in ambush, rushed out of their place from Marah Geba. And there came against Gibeah ten thousand chosen men out of all Israel. And the battle was hard, but the Benjaminites did not know that disaster was close upon them. And the Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel. And the people of Israel destroyed 25,100 men of Benjamin that day. All of these were men who drew the sword. So the people of Benjamin saw that they were defeated. The men of Israel gave ground to Benjamin because they trusted the men in ambush, whom they had set against Gibeah. Then the men in ambush hurried and rushed against Gibeah. The men in ambush moved out and struck all the city with the edge of the sword. Now the appointed signal between the men of Israel and the men in the main ambush was that they had made a great cloud of smoke rise up out of the city. The men of Israel should turn in battle. Now Benjamin had begun to strike and kill about 30 men of Israel. They said, Surely they are defeated before us as in the first battle. When the signal began to rise out of the city in a column of smoke, the Benjaminites looked behind them. And behold, the whole of the city went up in smoke to heaven. And the men of Israel turned, and the men of Benjamin were dismayed, for they saw that disaster was close upon them. Therefore they turned their backs before the men of Israel in the direction of the wilderness, but the battle overtook them. Those who came out of the cities were destroying them in their midst, surrounding the Benjaminites. They pursued them and trod them down from Noha as far as opposite Gibeah on the east. 18,000 men of Benjamin fall, all of them men of valor. And they turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Ramon. 5,000 men of them were cut down in the highways. And they were pursued hard to Gidom. And 2,000 men of them were struck down. So all who fell that day in Benjamin were 25,000 men who drew the sword, all of them men of valor. But 600 men turned and fled toward the wilderness in the rock of Ramon and remained at the rock of Ramon four months. And the men of Israel turned back against the people of Benjamin and struck them with the edge of the sword, the city, men, and beasts, and all they found, and all the towns that they found, they set on fire. Let us pray. Father, 
as we come now to study your word, Lord, to try to apply this battle into our lives to help us see, Lord, help us see. We need you to help us see, to humble ourselves, Lord, and to understand what you have for us and what you're doing. Father, I ask this and I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So, kind of a crazy text. Uh, Going over the battle, going over the battle that the Israelites had against the single tribe that the Israelites had against the Benjaminites. And so as we're looking at that battle, I want that, I want to apply that to our lives today as the church, the church with the big C, as those who follow Jesus. I'm not talking about Hosanna. I'm not talking about any individual denomination. I'm talking about those who follow Jesus. We're going to try to apply that to the church's battle against the world, against sinfulness within this world, against the spirit of darkness that is deceiving the people of this world. That really, because that's our battle. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Battles against Satan himself, against the powers and the principalities against these things and the, these dark things that exist, the satanic powers in this world that are working right now. We want to apply this battle there because that's the battle we're in. That's the battle we ought to be in, rather. Because I don't know if everybody's fighting. I don't know if everybody's fighting. But the first thing we do as we look at this, as we look at this battle, we see that they start out with a reason. And I had a couple of people, actually I had a number of people ask me, why in the world did the Levite cut up the concubine? And that was from last week's text um, where it said in verse 29, uh, 19, 29, And when he entered his house, he took a knife, and taking hold of his concubine, he divided her limb by limb into twelve pieces and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. Why did he do that? This is evidence. This is evidence to all the people of Israel that this sort of thing happened. She must have been so beaten up. She must have been so abused, so abused, that just a limb, this, just this part, just this portion of her was abused enough to be able to look and say, that was horrendous, what the people of Gibeah did. That was horrendous. They could just look at a forearm or they could look at just a portion of her and say, that was horrendous. And so as they start out, the... The people of Israel, they don't go to battle willy-nilly. They don't go to battle for no reason at all. They don't stand against the powers of darkness in their land for no reason. But rather they stand against the powers of darkness knowing the evidence that was given. And so they saw the evidence firsthand. They saw it firsthand sitting there at their tribe, sent to them. And then they heard the testimony of the Levites. And that testimony then becomes powerful and that testimony becomes important because otherwise you don't have the context. You don't understand what's going on. And the Levite goes through what happened exactly. So in verse 3, we see, Now the people of Benjamin heard that the people of of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. That's where the tabernacle was at that point. Uh, The people of Israel said, Tell us, how did this evil happen? And the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, I came to Gibeah that belongs to Benjamin. I and my concubine to spend the night. 
And the leaders of Gibeah rose against me. Now, these are the leaders of Gibeah. It's not just some random guys. It's not just some vagabonds, some rogues that were out in the wilderness that, that decided to, to come and you know, harm this man. These were the leaders of Gibeah. And so this was the higher echelon. And where the leaders are, so the people follow. Now, leadership is interesting because leaders and people reinforce each other. So if you have godly leaders, that will reinforce the godliness of your people. If you have godly people, that will reinforce the godliness of your leaders. Ungodly leaders, that will reinforce the ungodliness of the people. If you have ungodly people, that will reinforce the ungodliness of your leaders. And so if you're looking at America right right now, today, saying, why don't we have more godly leaders? It's because we don't have more godly people. And so that's that's what we as Christians are called to produce because that's what discipleship is. You know, going into all the world, making disciples of Jesus. And that's, that's what we're called to do. And so, um, so we see that it's the leaders of Gibeah. And if it's the leaders of Gibeah, they are representatives of the people of Gibeah. They meant to kill me, and they violated my concubine, and she is dead. So I took hold of my concubine and cut her in pieces and sent her throughout the country of the inheritance of Israel, for they have committed abomination and outrage in Israel. And so these people, these people had given themselves completely over to sin. They had given themselves completely over to the unrighteousness that existed in them. And when I was talking about imprecatory prayer, I I put a a video online about a precatory prayer, uh, Psalm 109. That's what's going on here. They had given themselves so deeply into corruption, so deeply into that corrosion, that there wasn't any good left. There wasn't any righteousness. They had just given themselves totally over to the corrosion, that that corruption that sin brings into our lives. They'd given themselves over to that. So they, they needed to be removed at this point. There wasn't, there wasn't fixing the situation. They needed to be removed. They needed to be pulled out of the people of Israel. The people of Israel needed to purify themselves. They needed to remove these ungodly men, these ungodly leaders. They needed to be taken out, taken out of their positions. And really, at, at this stage, it was, it was the point of executing them. And I'm not calling for execution of any of our leaders. Note that. I'm not calling for that. We put that in God's hands. This is Israel. There are some distinctions between the way that Israel interacted with this and we as Christians are called to interact with these things. And so we are called to pray that God would remove these men, that God would remove these women. If there are ungodly leaders within America, and there are, that God would remove them, that God would cleanse our church and our nation. God would cleanse. And so... That's what the people of Israel, they're, they're realizing at this point that it's the leadership in Gibeah that needs to be removed because it's, that's going to corrupt everything that it touches. If this is just left plain, if it just continues to go the way that it's going, it's going to continue that corruption. It's going to spread throughout all the nation of Israel to a greater degree. And so this evidence is brought and all of Israel unites as one man. They all come in agreement. They all come in agreement and say, Evil is happening. Look at this. Evil is happening. We need to act against this evil. We, all of Israel, they came together as one man. 
In verse 8, And all the people arose as one man, saying, None of us will go to his tent and none of us will return to his house. And that's what I'm looking for in America right now. That's what I'm looking for within the church. That we who are the church, we who know Jesus, that we would arise as one man and plead and seek the face of the Lord. That we would plead for our nation. That we would plead for our leaders. That we would plead that God would remove the unjust and the corrupt, the sinful, those who have given themselves over. And that those who haven't, that they would be cleansed. That the corruption, that the the rot that is within them would be cleansed out. That God would bring revival into our nation. That we would have that great harvest. That we would pursue this as one man. And not just in prayer, but in action and in word as well. That we would be praying to God. But then we would be proclaiming the gospel and that we would be living out the hope that we have. Because the people of Israel, as they arose as one man and they pursued the Lord. And they pursued the Lord's desire in their lives. They didn't go home. They didn't, they didn't say, you know, I'm going to do this later. No, the call was to do it now. Because we're standing against this stuff now. And so don't go home and say, you know, let me think about this. Like, no, we as Christians, we are the ones that are called to bring the truth into the world because that's the way that we fight. We don't battle like the world battles. We battle in truth. We battle by living it out, by speaking it forth. We battle by praying to the Lord that he would open doors, that we might speak boldly as we ought. That's how we battle. That's, where, that's how we change the world. We pray to the Lord and then we live out our prayers, trusting that God would grant us boldness, trusting that God would grant us the words. And as we do that, division comes up. Division will come. There will be a separation. There will be that, that, uh, that separating the wheat from the chaff, the sheep from the goats. That's going to come. And as that comes, as the Christian church stands strong against the evil one, those who have given themselves over to evil are going to stand against the Christian church. This is the reality. Those who have given themselves over to evil are going to stand against the Christian church at that point. When the church stands against evil, those who want evil will stand against the church because they're going to stand against Christ. They're going to stand against Christ because they don't want him in their lives. They're serving another master. They want Satan as their Lord. So that's why we bring the truth to them. Because Satan isn't going to make this easy for us. And so that division comes. And that's what we see happening here. Because the Israelites, they call out the people of Benjamin. Verse 12. And the tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What evil is this that has taken place among you? Now therefore give up the men, the worthless fellows in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and purge evil from Israel. Israel's goal wasn't to destroy all of the Benjaminites. It was to purge the evil from Israel. And so that's our prayer right now. That's what we pray within this world. That God would purge the evil from America. That God would purge the evil from our land. And I don't know where you're living. I don't know where you are. But pray that God would purge the evil that exists there. That God would reveal it and then remove it. 
the evil that exists. Because that's the goal. So that there might be restoration. So that there might be repentance. So that, so that we might be able to have influence on these people. Show them and lead them and guide them in godliness. Guide them in faith towards Jesus. Both in word and thought. And, well, all in, in word, thought, and Guide people in faithfulness to Jesus. Trusting in Jesus and walking with Jesus and thinking like Jesus. Having our minds changed. And so, but the people of Benjamin, they didn't give them up. Rather, instead of giving up the evil leader, they associated with them. But the Benjaminites would not listen to the voice of their brothers, the people of Israel. That's verse 14. And the people of Benjamin came together out of the cities of Gibeah to go to battle against the people of Israel. And so they gave themselves over to their earthly allegiance. They said, being a Benjaminite is a bigger deal than being an Israelite. Being a Benjaminite is a bigger deal than being an Israelite and being a follower of Yahweh, being a follower of the Lord, being a follower of the God of heaven and earth. I'm going to give my allegiance over to my tribe rather than to the Lord. I'm going to give my allegiance over to my tribe rather than my nation. I'm going to give my allegiance there. And when they gave their allegiance there, they, they separated themselves. They separated themselves from the Lord. And they separated themselves from the Israelites and they actually stood against them. But they didn't just muster against them. They didn't just stand against them. They didn't just protect their own. They actually went to battle. They went to battle for the evil men of Gibeah. Think about that. That's what's going on here. They went to battle for the evil men of Gibeah. All they had to do is turn over these evil men. None of this would have happened. Had they just turned over the evil. Had they just turned over those who had given themselves completely into corruption. Had they just turned those men over, those leaders of Gibeah. Had they just turned them over, none of this stuff would have happened. But they didn't. They went to battle. They were willing to kill and be killed for the sake of the evil men in Gibeah. They made their choice. The Benjaminites made their choice. They said, we are choosing evil instead of the Lord. We are choosing Benjamin instead of Israel. And that's what's going to happen when the church stands against the evil. When the church stands against sin, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. We're going to see people Choosing sin instead of choosing the Lord. We're going to see people choosing their tribe, whatever that tribe is, instead of choosing the Lord. It might be a denomination. It might be a local church. It might be a political party. It, it, it might be anything. It might not even be a political party. It might just be some organization. But they're going to choose that over the Lord. They're going to choose that over faith. And fear towards God. And so when the church steps up and starts proclaiming the gospel with boldness and courage, starts living it out because it's supposed to infiltrate every aspect of our lives. When we start praying against the evil in our, our land, we're going to see people give themselves 
for the sake of the evil in our land. For the sake of that evil. And they're going to fight against God. They're going to fight against the church. Think about that. Consider that reality. But that makes things easier to a good degree. Because finally those divisions are made. And we know who we can trust and we know who we can't. We know who we can rely on and we know who can't, who we can't. We know who is our brother who stands with us for the Lord against the evil one. And we know who has given themselves over to our enemy to fight for his sake. We know who those are. We're starting to see that now. All of this stuff happening in America is starting to reveal, at least to me, it's starting to reveal who has given themselves over to evil. Who is fighting for the sake of the evil one. Who isn't walking in truth. Who isn't walking in righteousness. We're starting to see that more and more. Who can I trust? Who will stand with me? And who won't? That's what we're seeing. That's what this whole coronavirus and lockdown, all of those things, that's what they're revealing. Who is trustworthy and who isn't? But what we see happen then is destruction comes upon those who stand with the enemy. Destruction comes upon those who stand with evil. Destruction will come. Does that mean that success always comes first? No. No, the Israelites, they start out with failure. Failure upon failure. Two times in a row. They lose 40,000 men. Think about that. 40,000 men against the Benjaminites. So the men of Israel had 400,000 men. They lost 22,000 on the first day, lost 18,000 on the second day. That's what's called being decimated. They lost 10% of all of their men, all the men of Israel. They failed. They lost. The first time they drew up the battle lines, they went against Benjamin. They lost 22,000. Second time they drew up the same battle line. Same battle line. Why didn't they change it? We don't know. We're not told. They had greater numbers, absolutely. They drew up that same battle line and they failed. They tried the same thing again and they failed. But that failure, those failures, that first failure and that second failure, the first failure, so that first time, the people of Israel went up and wept, verse 23, and the people of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until the evening. And they inquired of the Lord, shall we again draw near to fight against our brothers, the people of Benjamin? And the Lord said, go up against them. And so the people of Israel came to the Lord. Because of their failure, they realized that they can't do this on their own. That they need to again question, that they need to again seek, that they need to again ask. Again, they need to ask, Lord, is this what you want? Have we missed something? We failed. Is this really what you want? We failed. We're weeping before you. Because of their failure, they're weeping. They're weeping towards God. God says, go again. So they go again. And they fail again. 
They get defeated again. They were destroyed. 18,000 of the men of Israel were destroyed. Verse 26. Then all the people. Note that all. Then all the people. Before it was just the people of Israel. Now it's all the people of Israel. The whole army went up and came to Bethel and wept. It grew. Because now this affects everybody. Now everybody sees. Finally, the whole group of Israel is coming before the Lord. Nobody's left behind this time. The whole army came. First time, it's just the people of Israel. Now it's the whole army. Now it's everybody. Everybody. So what does failure do? Failure drives us to the Lord. It is through failure that we learn our need for the Lord. And this is why we as Christians should never fear failure. We should never fear failure. We should embrace it. We should welcome it because it drives us to the Lord. It shows us where we end. It shows us our lack. It shows us our inability. Failure is not a problem because God is bigger than our failures. Failure is not a problem because God can work greater things through our failures even than he can through our successes. God is bigger. God is bigger. Through the failure of humanity, Jesus Christ died. And God rose him from the dead. And through that conquered sin, death, and hell, Satan lost all his power at that point. Through humanity's failure. So Christian, you say, well, I don't know what I'm going to say. I might say the wrong thing. I might do the wrong thing. You who are giving in to fear, don't. Because God can use your failure. God can use your lack. God can use your inability. And at very least, that will drive you to God. You want to know God better? Strive and fail. That will drive you into the arms of God. You want to learn your Bible better? Start teaching people about the Bible. And then you're going to find out how little you know and how much you need to know. It'll be through your failures that you learn. And so that we should embrace those as opportunities to learn. As gifts from God showing us where we lack, but where he is powerful. So the whole of Israel comes to God and they pray. They weep. They sat there before the Lord, verse 26. And then all the people of Israel, the whole army went up and came to Bethel and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. They burned, they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. They worshiped, they worshiped. And the people of Israel inquired of the Lord for the Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, ministered before it in those days saying, shall we go out once more to battle? against their brothers, the people of Benjamin, or shall we cease? They were questioning, understandably. They had lost 10% of their people. Understandable. And the Lord said, go up, or tomorrow I will give them into your hand. Their previous failures, having fewer men, that doesn't stop God. We have failed twice. That doesn't stop God. Because now, when the Lord blesses it, they see things differently. They don't just draw up like they did before, but they set in ambush. So Israel set men in ambush around Gibeon. It's like, why didn't they do this before? They just drew up the battle line and they drew up the battle line. But now God opens their eyes to see more. God grants them wisdom. 
God grants them wisdom. It's the people of Israel, as the church seeks God, as we humble ourselves before the Lord, as we cry out to him because of the failure, this constant failure that we have had as the American church to affect our culture. I don't know any Christian in America that's looking at America saying, you know, this is getting better. This is becoming a more godly nation. No, this is our failure. We have failed. And we've been trying to do the same thing and trying to do the same thing over and over and over. And we've been missing it and we've been messing it up. We've been failing. This should be driving us to the throne of God saying, God, help us. We are failing and people are dying. People are dying not knowing the Lord. People are dying not walking with the Lord. How do we know that? Because immorality is growing. Sanctification is lessening. So we should, this should drive us to the throne of God saying, God, we have failed. We have failed. Forgive us, we have failed. But we don't know what to do. Does that mean that America is lost? No! It means that we have failed. So what's our first step? We pray. Come to the Lord. Seek His face. We ask Him for wisdom. We walk in boldness. Trusting God to guide us and lead us. The Lord will deliver here. They set an ambush and they go into they go into the ambush and they go into how all that stuff looked. I'm not going to talk through all of those things. But the Lord delivered Benjamin then. The Lord delivered those who had sided with the evil men. The Lord delivered those who had sided with the evil one into the hands of the Israelites. Consider that. Draw up hope. Draw up hope. Weep because of your failure. Your failure to proclaim the gospel. Your failure to disciple those around you. Are you leading the people around you into greater godliness? Or are you just concerned about your own walk? Or are you not even concerned about your walk? Maybe you're just concerned about your life and you're stacking Christianity onto that. That's just an addition. We'll add that to my life. I got my life here. It's pretty good. But I'll add Christianity because I'm told that that'll make it better. Are you walking for the Lord? If you're not living for the Lord, you're failing. Weep. Weep. It's not going to work. Weep. Ask God to forgive you. Because it's the Lord that matters. And He's the one that grants us victory. So are you discipling? Are you proclaiming the word? Are you living it out in your life? Are you implementing it into every aspect of your life? Are you seeking the Lord for wisdom? Or are you siding with the evil one? No, no. We should be able to do whatever we want. Don't stand against God. Because God will bring victory. Don't be on the wrong side. 
Seek the Lord while he may be found. And so as we think about this, this is our call in America. This is our call in the world to stand and to battle against the evil one. Stand at the battle against the evil one. Because it's not numbers that make us win. It's the Lord. It's not the size. It's the Lord. It's not the wisdom. Because wisdom comes from the Lord. It's the Lord who empowers that. It's the Lord who has given the enemy into our hand. So we might throw down him. And release those who are in bondage to him. That's what the Lord desires. That's our battle. To release those who are in bondage to Satan himself. Because they have sided with him. So we do battle. We proclaim the truth. We live it out. We teach others to do the same. And we seek the Lord. We pray. We study, we learn, so that these truths might be ours all the more. So I don't know what's going to happen in America. No idea. But I know this. No matter what happens in America, this is our battle. Not to make America great again, but that the kingdom of God might come into this world. Through us. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the battle of Gibeah. We thank you that you gave the Benjaminites into the Israelite hands. Lord, those who sided with the evil. Father, that you removed them. We thank you for that. We pray that we would not fear. We would not fear failure. That we would be bold. Lord, that we would stand for the truth. To purge the evil from our land. Lord, we pray that you would guide us in these things. We would purge the evil from our lives, repent of the sin that's within us. Lord, and seek your righteousness. Seek your love. Seek your grace. And live that out to the glory of your name, Father. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.